What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Forest Hill Podcast, Episode 5, which is now sponsored by UNC Lenore Healthcare. UNC Lenore Healthcare, formerly known as Lenore Memorial Hospital, is a nonprofit hospital located right here in Kenton. The hospital is licensed for 261 beds and serves the residents of Lenore, Greene, and Jones counties. The hospital is staffed with over 100 physicians. The hospital offers inpatient, outpatient, and preventable health care services. Thank you to UNC Lenore Healthcare for being our sponsor. And welcome, everybody, to the Flourish Hill Podcast. I'm Graham Hill. I'm Junie Smith III. And alongside us today is another Kenton High guest. Now, before we start, I want people to think that we're starting to get biased with, with Kenton High guests here, all right? Well, anybody out there from Green Central, South Lenore, Parrot, even you said, Bethel Christian, John Senior, Aiden Grifton. Hey, by all means, come through. Be sure to message us on Twitter and let us know if you want to come on to the show and you have interesting stories to talk about because it will definitely make our jobs easier, especially on me with school being back in and you with just the busy schedule that you have with BJ having you running around the counties to do different stories. I don't want to talk about it. Be sure to message us if you want to come on to the show. But our guest today is former Kenton High quarterback. He played basketball. His senior year was part of the JV team freshman and sophomore year. Actually had a uh, history in baseball and track too, ladies and gentlemen. Thomas Vermillion. Hey everybody, appreciate you having me on. And like we said, we got to have Thomas on because he is home from c for college break, and he's actually been the team manager for the Baylor football team. So we're very excited to have him on today. We're actually going to kind of change up the scheme of the show just a little bit. We're still going to hit on Eastern Carolina Conference basketball games. Right. But we're kind of going to talk about a little bit of college athletic sports since we have a college student on the show with us and someone that's been up close and personal, especially with college football. And, I mean, Baylor just has to, is also just a big college school in general with sports. So, Thomas, just tell us a little bit, what's it been like to be at Baylor so far? Oh, yeah, so I came in my freshman year, showed up July 29th. Uh, they called me two weeks before, asked if I could be there because – um, I applied for the job, the equipment manager job, back in the spring, but didn't hear back from them until two weeks before the report date because somebody, somebody quit right before they had to show up. So they were like, hey, can you move to Texas in two weeks? I was like, uh, it's a little month earlier than I thought, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'll get there. And uh, so I moved down and uh, just got to know the guys a little bit, started working for the team, and that was after, uh, after all the Art Brow stuff. And so his whole staff was there, but he had just been fired um, in that spring. So I was there with Jim Grobe, who's a Wake Forest legend. Um, and it was great, and that's honestly kind of how I got the job because a bunch of my family's big Wake Forest fans, and so I got to – I knew who he was really well. I knew he was a great guy, so I wanted to work for him, and so I, I didn't necessarily, like, try for the equipment manager job. I, I told them I just wanted to be in the program somehow, and so they finally hit me up and got the job, and since then I've been on the – I've ball boyed every game uh, since then and all the past three years, and I've been on the away sideline all this year, so it's been cool getting to see – the away coaches and get to be around them and see how their their teams run and it's also been really fun you know getting getting to be on the sideline for my game or like the Baylor like Baylor sideline because I mean I know all the players now and the coaches and so it's cool seeing how how every, like the ins and outs of everything how it runs. Now, <coughs> before I get into you know asking about some of the some of the teams and some of the players that you've had the opportunity to see, I mean like you said like you kind of alluded to this is before our brows mm -hmm. kind of getting the tail end of that and then heading to Jim Grove. How chaotic was that scene out there in Waco? It was, uh, it was it, honestly, Jim Grobe was probably the best guy for the job. Um, he came in and he didn't really interfere with uh, with anybody's stuff. He he basically handled special teams and he let uh, Art Brow's son handle the offense and then um, Phil Bennett handled the defense just like they had been for the past couple of years. And uh, so it ran really smoothly. I mean, everybody got along real well. Um, everybody was really 
was really upset about everything that went down because, I mean, I'm not going to get into details, but it was just there was some stuff that wasn't quite quite right going on. And uh, and so none of the coaches would be, would wear Baylor logos. They would flip all their Baylor stuff inside out. Like, they would just – it was kind of like the, the team versus the school. But, like, within the football organization, everybody was just real relaxed. They knew they were all going to get fired after the season. So they were just kind of – just kind of having fun, just kind of trying to make the last season worth it. Well, so tell it, was it your main intention to go to Baylor to be, you know, the equipment manager? Is that what you felt your heart desired to go down there and do? Or did you just go to Baylor and just decide, you know what, I'm, I think I'm going to try for a shot, you know, to be the equipment manager? That's kind of what happened. I like, already decided to go to Baylor, and I was like, well, I mean, what am I going to do with my time? Like, I mean, I need to be involved with something. I never, like, there was one season in high school that I didn't play a sport, and I, I almost lost my mind. And so I knew I had to be involved with something. I knew I, want, I, knew want, I knew I wanted to be sports. And so I just reached out to whoever I could, and finally I got a little lucky on that one. So really, really uh, grateful for that. You want to try to sell that thing, though? I, I did. <laughs> so, like, they weren't – I tried to uh, get in touch with the, the coaches, but because they were all leaving after that year, they weren't, not, they weren't holding any walk-on tryouts. And so I kind of came in in a bad year. But I did try. I did reach out to a couple of the coaches. I was about to say, I mean, a lot of times you hear stories about these managers that come in and then they get the walk-on opportunity, go out there and sling the ball a little bit. And, of course, you had the experience, you know, being the quarterback at Kent's Night. It's funny. My first ever interview that I ever conducted was with this guy right here because it was for my project for one of my classes I had sophomore year at North Lenore. Wow. Where we had to go out and interview a local, you know, athlete. And, of course, the Kent's Night football team was making the state championship run. And I went over to Thomas's house because he was he lived right down the street from me. About, what was it, like three 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 houses down. Yeah. So And, of course, um, Mac and Jake Morris were, were neighbors, too. Right between too. us. Yeah, <laughs> right between us. Uh, it, was, it was a fun time on – on Graham and Drive. Speaking of guests, Jeremiah Fields was always over there too. Yeah, we we ran that block. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell. I gotta ask you because you know Jeremiah gave us his his insight on la last week when it came to the team. I mean, just kind of tell yours as far as you know, fifteen and oh something that you guys have never done before. I mean, it was. I mean, it was surreal. Just like that whole season, especially since most of our games were won in the, like the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, it was just, it was so fun. It was one of the most fun times of my life. Like I look back at pictures and see my whole family, at the, like taking pictures of my whole family after the game, and just everybody was there. Everybody was having a good time, and uh, it was honestly one of the most fun times of my life. Uh, we were like those guys. Like I mean, they they are my brothers. Like we are we're still best friends to this day, and so it's it's, it's been really it was really fun. I've got to say this. I mean, I've been doing this since 2008 as far as covering football. That was one of the best teams that I had ever covered. I mean, not just as far as records, but just personality, mm -hmm. just going out to the games, high drama. I mean, there was a lot of positive qualities that I have to that I have to say that you guys provided. I mean, whether it was you, Jeremiah, Anthony Berry, Daquan Waters, Jaquan Artis, Bailey Blake. I mean, Tavon Hearns. I mean, it's a squad. Yeah, about yeah. Say squad. It, it was just a <laughs> squad of players on that on that team. And um, I, I know you're definitely having fun at Baylor. Uh, what, what's your major, or what are you majoring right now? Yeah, so there? I started out as a business major, and I was just sitting in class one day, and I was like, I, this is just not for me. It's just corporate it business happens. stuff. And so I switched it to recreation ministry because I, I really thought about going into ministry for a while. Um, it was like sport, some type of sports ministry. Uh, but I think I've, uh, I'm really passionate about 
I finally decided probably the past six months that I really want to work like in college sports. Um, at least when I get out of college, maybe not college sports after that, but like I want to start out in college sports, working in operations. It's kind of like the stuff that happens upstairs. I'm more downstairs doing the grunt work with the equipment team right now. But we work we work hand in hand with the operations staff, and they just they just basically get everything done for the football program off the field. And so I just, I feel like that'd be really fun, and uh, and I've seen a lot of that happen, and I do a lot of that. So I'm really excited about trying to get into that after school. Now, usually when when we talk about college sports, like a lot of sports right here in the South, you know, Carolina Duke or is one of the main rivalries of, you know, you might have um, Satan and ECU when it comes to football. As far as Baylor goes and the Big 12, kind of what are some of the rivalries out there? So the rivalries out there, obviously, uh, yeah, Oklahoma, Texas, that's a big one. The Red River rivalry, rivalry uh, that's a big one. And then, like, with Baylor, uh, our big rival is uh, TCU, just kind of ah, two man. Christian schools. <laughs> Two Christian schools going at it, and TCU's kind of really straight away from their Christian beliefs, so we always give them crap about it. And uh, but that definitely, we we definitely have a lot of hate for TCU. <laughs> sorry, sorry to any Longhorns fans or and Texas and Texas. I definitely <laughs> doubt that we have anybody from Texas or TCU listening. Which you never know. Yeah, you're right. It was funny. I was kind of talking to y'all prior to, you know, I happen to have somebody. I mean, I've got Texas ties and everything, and I just happened to meet somebody back, way back in the day that um, nearly took my life. Uh, uh, <laughs> before we get to that story, because <laughs> we were talking about that before the podcast, I also want to talk about how you know we were talking about the um, Baylor and TCU rivalry, and I alluded to the big brawl that happened last year oh, yeah. in, the, in the final <laughs> game. And I remember seeing a tweet, and initially it said, look at my boy Thomas Vermillion out there on the field and what it was there was a video of a Baylor ball boy and the brawl is breaking out right in front of him but yet he's just still standing there football raised up in the air looking for the ref and I was like that's that's dedication and I was like man look at Thomas being being a diehard ball boy but you said that wasn't you yeah yeah it wasn't me that was my that was one of my best friends Sam Welch I was actually just right outside the frame because we have one guy on the line of scrimmage and one guy about 10-15 yards down the field so I was down the field but yeah so a lot of people asked me if that was me, and it's sad to say it wasn't. But he he did a really good job. You know, he stayed strong in the in the in the huddle. People all around him throwing fists, and he had that ball in the air ready for the ref. So that was that was a good job by him. Mid debunked right here on the Flourish Hill podcast. <laughs> well, look, let's talk about your ties with Texas. Yeah, I want to hear this. Yeah, I'm ready oh to hear this goodness. story. <clears throat> all right, so I was born and raised in Fayetteville, North Carolina. That's where my mom was born and raised, and my dad is actually from Caldwell, Texas. So I've got aunts that are in Austin, Houston. So I know that area pretty well. Mm -hmm. So I went out to Houston. No, I went out to um, Colleen, Texas, which is about an hour away from Austin, for my cousin's high school graduation. This was my, this was after my freshman year of college at uh, FAVA State. And my cousin had a friend that I mean, she was beautiful. So I mean, of course, I'm I'm gonna try to, yeah, I'm gonna try to say a word or two, see if I can (laughs) possibly get things working. And you know, my cousin was blocking, so it's like, come on now. So. About a day or two later, I go to this girl's house. It was um me, her, my cousin, and the girl's sister. And they're having their girl talk, so I just go to the couch, and I was listening to music. Like, I was kind of dabbling in the music, and I had actually put together my first project. So after a couple minutes, she, the girl taps me on the shoulder. like, hey, what are you listening to? I said, myself. <laughs> she thought I was playing, so <laughs> I said, no, I, I make music. She said, let me listen to it. I was like, no. It's like, why not? Because I'm listening to it. So she cusses me out. I cuss her right back out just off of instinct. She walks away. 
I'm looking at my phone, just still listening to my music, not caring about anything, and I feel something on my throat. I look up. This girl had gone to the doggone kitchen and pulled out a butcher knife and had put it to my throat. And was continually, <laughs> continuously, <laughs> yes, wow. like her sister and my cousin, they're both looking at, looking at it like, put it down, put the knife down, put Please. the knife down. Why did you and want her to listen to your music first of all? Like that's that's the really the main question I have. Again, I was listening to it. They were having their, their he was, girl he talking. Was vi- he was vibing, you know. I was just enjoying my time just sitting down on that couch because obviously I wasn't going to be able to take this girl out anyway. So it was just like, what's the point? I'm just kind of waiting for them to have their girl talk so we can go to Whataburger or something. Like. Okay. But to make a long story short, um, before I, I went back to North Carolina, I actually gave her the, the CD. And then I happened to. I hope you signed it too. I did actually. Okay, good, <laughs> good. Found her on social media a few years later. We actually became really, really close. Uh, she got married um, a couple of last year or two years ago and invited me to the wedding. I couldn't go, but yeah, the first attempt of my life. Mm-hmm. I was 18 years old. Well, that's definitely a wild story. Speaking of something wild, let's talk about the um, college football national championship game because oh, I want to get your man. take on it <laughs> since we have somebody that's been up close and personal to college football and his years in college. And, yeah, Clemson Tigers went undefeated this season, 15-0, and they defeated the Crimson Tide of Alabama by a final score of 44-16 to in the college football championship in a game where even if I, even if I said Clemson was going to win, I did not expect it to be by that much. So, Thomas, let us, let's hear what you have to say about the national championship game. I'm just like you. I was, I was taken by surprise. Um, it was, I mean, Clemson just – came out the gate and they took off and uh i mean i i did i thought alabama would die. i i wasn't sure who was gonna win I didn't, I didn't bet on anybody or anything like that but like i just knew it'd be a good game i was i was set on that fact like all right it'd be, good, be a good football game watch it you know get entertained but what was i entertained i was not expecting clemson to do what they did to alabama i mean i i was loving that you know just coming from north carolina acc guy right i thought that was awesome not a not a big bama guy so it was it was nice seeing them get their tails whooped for once. And I was definitely pulling for Clemson, too, just because I wanted it, you know, it, it just makes the ACC look good as a conference. Mm-hmm. And especially because I felt like this year in particular, they kind of made the ACC look to be the weak conference. I mean, when you got teams like UNC pulling it down, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, and I mean, because I, 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 think the, I think ACC only got one slot for a college game day, and it was Clemson versus Boston College. Now, a Originally, a lot of people thought it was going to be Clemson versus NC State because it was two undefeated teams going into it with the past two matchups being super close. But I'm, I'm glad it wasn't because Clemson just beat the brakes off of Alabama. By the way, NC State lost just as bad as Alabama did in the national championship. So, therefore... Alabama would be NC State by like 30. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But seriously, I I like – I'm so glad that Clemson won just because I think it shut up a lot of doubters, you know, that, Mm -hmm. you know, the ACC is weak compared to the ACC. And what's even more crazy is, um, speaking of Texas, I know you hate them, but they were runners-ups in the the Big Ten, and they absolutely smacked Georgia around. And their bowl game. So is the S is the SEC as dominant of a conference that we thought they were in football, or you know, or is the but especially teams like with Clemson and the ACC are they starting to are they starting to step up and represent their conference a little bit better? I feel like 
a lot of times when you look at the SEC and everything, you have a lot of pundits, you have a lot of experts and media, they hype them up. So when another team like from the ACC or from, you know, the Pac-12 or anybody has the opportunity to face an SEC team, particularly in a bowl game, they've got a lot to prove. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to give any team additional motivation. That's the reason why Texas was able to pound Georgia the way mm -hmm. that uh, Bevo wanted to pound on the <laughs> Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you look at teams like um, like UCF that, that tried to knock off LSU a year after defeating Auburn. I mean, you look at what Clemson did to Alabama. As time goes on. What Baylor did to Vanderbilt. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, teams want to have the opportunity to play an SEC team because they're already lauded at, quote, unquote, the best conference. And then SEC supporters, they're going to sit back and have their excuses like, oh, well, we beat each other up in conference play. You know, Clemson would have been the second or third best in SEC West. Guess what? They're still national champions. So, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Having that additional motivation to play an SEC team, it's an, it's more than enough for a lot of teams. And you know, congrats to Clemson because after during that first quarter, I mean, it was fourteen thirteen. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, you know what, we're gonna have another classic because these teams have played each other. It's the fourth year in a row. At least two of them were classics. The, la the one last year was kind of like, eh, but the way that Clemson just completely manhandled the Crimson Tide was just unbelievable. And I feel like, you know, with it being round four between the two teams, you know, everybody was kind of just like, uh, like, you know, this is kind of like Golden State versus Cleveland now. Like, yeah. we don't really care about that much. And a lot of people just had Alabama to win just because, you know, they were just steamrolling all throughout the season. I mean, Clemson did the same thing, but Clemson started off the game by scoring first off a of pick six. And you rarely see two uh, throw a pick six or an – I don't – I don't know if he even threw an interception this whole year in college football. I think he threw like four. Yeah. Well, uh, it's very rare that yeah. he that he does. So, you know, when he throws a pick six and it allows Clemson to score first, I definitely was like, you know, hmm. Uh, that's definitely an eyebrow raiser. And um, I saw today where uh, – I saw today on Twitter where it, it was announced by Jalen Hurts' father that if he doesn't win the starting – quarterback um, position this year again at Alabama that he'll probably transfer and he will be the hottest free agent to ever be in college football. You know what Nick Saban's saying? He's opening that door and saying, here it is, walk <laughs> through it. Yep. Jalen Hurts to Baylor? He's, uh, we got, we, I mean, we got <laughs> Jalen Hurd last year. We got, we got an SEC guy last year, so you never know. We got a pretty good quarterback right now, though. But then again, if Jalen Hurts decides to go to a D1 school, he's going to have to sit out a year because of transfer mm -hmm. rules, so you know, could there be the possibility of him going to a D2 and basically being able to start immediately? Who knows? I mean, they've seen him play D1. I mean, they've seen him play D1 in yeah. the NFL scouts. I mean, get one more season, go off in D2. I don't know. The really scary that's a, that's thing, a hot take. the scary thing to think about is how Trevor Lawrence still has three more years of eligibility <laughs> before he can think about going to the draft, which is a terrifying idea for many teams in the ACC. And Old Ronnie Bass, sunshine, just <laughs> – I don't even know what else to say. I mean, he absolutely demolished Alabama. Yeah, he definitely is something else, and especially all that he accomplished this year just as a freshman is, inca is incredible. Speaking of um, college sports, let's turn over to college basketball. Uh, we got two Carolina fans on the podium right now, and Junius and Thomas, and then myself as an NC State fan, and then BJ just sitting over there. Uh, as a Duke Blue Devil, we so it's care. kind of a it's kind of a weird scenario that we have right now with all these, all these um different fans in the room. Triangle, yeah, it's yep, it's there. You go, the Tobacco Road right there. There you go. But uh, 
I, I went to the um, NC State game last night, and James, I'll kind of let you, if there's anything you want to ask me or Thomas yourself about what I saw at the game and what it was like. How bad was everybody hurt when they saw that Carolina wound up winning that game? Well, look, everybody was hurt pretty early because Carolina came out and at the first media timeout was leading 14-2. to two. And so it was definitely a slap in the face for us state fans. But I will say this. For it to be the first media timeout and we're already down 14-2, to two, a Mark Godfrey team or even a Sidney Lowe team towards the end of his career at state would have just given up. And that's the thing that I like about so much about Kevin Keats's team is that they did not quit. They held in it. They battled the whole game. I mean, they, they tied it up multiple times. They just couldn't get past the, the hump to take the lead. But um, it, a lot, it was there definitely some disappointment. And um, walking out with my dad, um, he was just super calm. Like, he wasn't saying nothing. And I was like, how are you just so relaxed after that? He said, son, I've been a state fan a long time. He was like, I, I've seen the heights because, of course, he was a junior the year they won the national championship. And he was like, I've also seen the bad. And he said, when it comes to Carolina, I don't get too upset when we lose them anymore because I don't know why or how he does it. Roy always gets his team fired up to play us. And it's because Roy Williams, and he'll come out and say it publicly, he hates losing to State. I feel like he hates losing to State more than he hates losing to Duke. Which is sad. But, Thomas, go ahead and just kind of give your take about the game. I want to know, I mean, how many turnovers did UNC have? Like, I mean, <laughs> for as, like, I mean, I feel like State played pretty well, compared, and then UNC played pretty bad, but UNC just held on to it just, just, just long enough. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was very – I mean, like, I, I'm not a huge UNC guy anymore since I go to Baylor now, but, like, I was like, what is going on? Like, watching UNC just turn the ball over, rush shots, just they just didn't look good. Nothing was clean. Um, but State, state they, I mean, they looked pretty good when I was watching. They just couldn't quite get over the hump. Well, Car Carolina had 23 turnovers to NC yeah. State's 13. Yeah. The big wow. thing that helped Carolina was their offensive rebounding. Which, that, that's always their big thing, so. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, they had those big guys down low in Johnson and May. And Carolina had 51 rebounds to NC State's 33. Mm. And, um, That's Carolina basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Carolina was also just on point with their three-point shooting. They were 40% to NC State's 28. So, I mean, Carolina just, you know, had a great game. And even Kevin Keats said, you know, when you have 13 turnovers against a team like Carolina, it's, it's hard to win. And, and that's uh, very true. I, I will go ahead and say this about NC State. I mean, we definitely have to talk about some high school – Athletic soon, but I will say this: um, I had the opportunity to meet Kevin Keats um, at the John Wall Holly Invitational. Had several interactions with him. Great guy, but the way that he's been able to turn that program around, I mean, you guys have a lot of positives going going along. So I don't have I don't have anything negative I could say about Kevin Keats. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely done a great job considering that he only had three starters return this year, and the rest were all transferred. I mean. I'll take being 13-2 to two still any day of the week, even though we lost to Carolina. But as Junior said, we got to talk about some of these high school basketball games. We had some games that took place last night as Washington defeated North Pitt by a score of 75-62. to 62. And then local games around here, Kitson defeated Aiden Griffin by a score of 75-51. to 51. And Junior, let's kind of get your thoughts on that game. That's the Kinston that I was looking to see. I mean, 
if, if they can continue to, to play like this, I mean, we can't really just say to – I can say that Green Central would have some competition at the top. And also, you were at this game last night doing the story. Green Central defeated West Craven by a final score of 74-65, to 65, and now the Green Central Rams are just sitting in the lone spot of number one in the Eastern Carolina Conference. And with West Craven losing, it kind of throws the number three spot up, you know, for the take-in between North Lenore, uh, West Craven, who's still in the hunt, of course, but Aiden Griffin as well. I'm going to say this. Um, Washington Green Central, they've actually been kind of scary the past couple of games because usually you think, you know, they've got Amaje Dodd at 6'7". They got Dante Johnson at 6'5". But their three-point shooting has been absolutely immaculate. They they hit 11 threes against North Lenore last Friday in the game that we covered, and then they had another 11 against West Craven Tuesday. So they've been able to, to light it up from the perimeter. They, Hassan Hudson and Jaquil Gay were, were two major benefactors in that game Tuesday against the Eagles. Yeah, and the thing that's really looking for, looking good for Green Central is they're starting to find depth in their backcourt and points off the bench. I mean, Green, in that game that we covered, Green Central's two leading scorers, according to stories, there were players that came off the bench. And it was, uh, I believe it was... Um, it was Contrell Suggs and Hassan Hudson. Yep. So, I mean, that's a really good sign for Green Central. That's also a very scary sign for these teams in the Eastern Carolina Conference. But it is now time for predictions. And, of course, we're going to get our guest, Thomas Vermillion's takes on these All right. we got some games that are going on today south the north is traveling to washington south the north still struggling they're on a four game losing streak and their overall record is two to ten to washington's four and seven so kind of a uh, game but let's get your take on it junius i feel like south the north is going to come out come out strong but i feel like washington a much improved team i think they only won one game last year i'm going with the panbacks I'm going to go with Washington, too. I got some buddies that played there, and I've heard pretty good things about that program. So I'm going to go with the Pan Pack as well. Well, yeah, this Washington program is definitely looking a whole lot better than it did last year. And, of course, they're coming off that big win last night against North Pitt. So I'm going to have to take the Pan Pack, too. Green Central is back in action again as they are having a non-conference game as they're traveling to Bedenfield. Bedenfield is 3-6. and six. Green Central 9-5. and five. Genius, what's your take? I'm going with Green Central on the route, but they cannot look past the Bruins of Bedingfield because that is a, a story program. And also, you know, confidence may be extremely high after being able to knock off West Craven. So they have to watch for that. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with uh, Green Central as well. I mean, uh, Bedingfield, they always played us tight when I was in high school. So, I mean, they definitely have some, have some talent over there, but definitely going with Green Central. Benfield is a tough team, but Green Central, like I said, they're starting to find depth in their backcourt, and they're starting to their bench is really starting to come out and score. And if Green Central does that tonight, they'll easily win. And I'm going to take the Rams. And now we'll get to the games that are going on this Friday. As speaking of Green Central, they'll go back into conference play as they'll travel to South Lenore. I'm going to say Green Central and South Lenore will be competitive for for a quarter, maybe a half, but they don't have they don't have the size that. That Green Central does. I'm going to go with them. Yeah, I'm going to go with Green Central as well. I'm going to have to take the Rams in that one too just because, like you said, that height is going to be a problem for the Devils, and I'm sure Amaje Dodd is going to show out. Another big game that's going on this Friday, and this is actually going to be interesting. North Lenore North is taking on Aiden Griffin. The last time these two teams met was, of course, in that Pitt County tournament where North Lenore kind of showed out against the Chargers. So let's see what you got to say about this game. Well, this one is going to be tough because I've – the way that the Hawks have been able to, to move the ball as of late has been something that I've, that I've been looking for. They played Green Central tough for a half. Uh, they, they got that big win against Southwest that had come last night. And I'm going to have to go 
it's tough because Aiden Griffin has a lot of great pieces as well, even though they're kind of in a slump right now. <sighs> you know what? I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going to say the Chargers. I'm, it's going to be a close one, but I'm going to go with Aiden Griffin. I'm going to go with Aiden Griffin just just as fact. I can't go with Mo Fanora. I think I think okay wow can't bring myself to do that wow I I honestly think the Chargers are going to kind of get redemption on Aiden Griffin I think they're still going to be a little bit hot after that loss in the Pitt County tournament as you said Aiden Griffin's looked pretty impressive as of late I mean they had a pretty competitive quarter with Kenton High for a little bit last night so I'm going to take the Chargers and then the final game Kenton will travel to West Craven that's going to be a really good game I mean West Craven they have they have some shooters. They got a couple of big men that can that can really do some damage. But I'm going to I'm going to go with Kenson in, in a tough one. Like if this one goes into overtime, don't be surprised. Uh, you know who I'm going with. You know the Vikings <laughs> all the way. Yeah, uh, they got they got a pretty good team this year. And and West Craven's a tough place to play, but uh, they always have a pretty good squad. But you know Vikings are going to pull it out for sure. I mean, interesting fact: both of these teams are coming to this game with only three losses. Of course, that's what it says on Max Preps and. It is. Matt, it's okay, okay. I just want to make sure. But, um, yeah, West Craven is a tough place to play. I mean, they were looking pretty good the early start of this conference. They've kind of fallen off a little bit. But I think Kitson, you know, is just trying to prove to the team, prove to a lot of people, you know, hey, we're still a team that can make a runner against Green Central and finish first in the conference. And I think they're going to do that tomorrow night and beat in West Craven. We really just agreed all across the board. <laughs> wow. That's history right there. I didn't. I did not. I can't believe wow. that. Glad I was a part of it. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Thank you, Thomas, and thank you once again to UNC Lenore Healthcare for being our sponsor. UNC Lenore Healthcare is a nonprofit hospital located right here in Kenton. And of course, Thomas, thank you for taking time out. I know you're oh, headed. Yeah. You're heading back to Waco tomorrow, tomorrow right? Morning, yep. Oh, oh wow. Man. Thank you for spending your last oh, yeah. night here with us. And uh, Junius, I'll let you take away on the outro. Listen again, thank you for listening to the Flourish Hill podcast with myself and Graham Hill, uh, Thomas Vermillion, a special guest. And who knows what we're going to have next week, who we're going to have next week, and what we'll talk about next week. But it should be interesting. This has been the fifth episode of the Flourish Hill podcast. Thank you for joining us.